good song this morning. Amen. Hadn't the Lord been good to us today? Amen. I praise Him for that. If you'll stand with us and turn to the book of 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter number 2 this morning, and uh, we'll not be very lengthy uh, in the message, but we do want to preach what God has laid upon our heart to preach this morning. I appreciate this service and what it means and what it stands for. And I would say on your way out this morning, be sure and pick up uh, some things off the table that they have for everyone, an American flag and uh, a little booklet here. It says, Saving Our American Heritage by John R. Rice. And you ought to get that book and read that book. It'll be a help to you. And there's some other things out there that you can pick up. And so be sure and pick that up today on your way out. doesn't cost you anything. Not many things free in life. You'll take advantage of them. Isn't that right? And so uh, pick one up on your way out. First Timothy chapter number 2 this morning. 1 Timothy chapter number 2, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of, our, of God, our Savior. Father, I want to thank you this morning for your presence. Thank you this morning for the good choir singing. And Lord, how you touched the choir this morning. Lord, thank you for letting us be able to pay the building note off. And Lord, sending the money in to take care of that. Lord, thank you for this service and what it means, Lord, for all of our veterans. And Lord, for the opportunity to celebrate the birth of America. Lord, we thank you for our country. We thank you for our nation. God, we know that America, uh, Lord, today is, is certainly in need of help. I know, God, that this nation... Uh, Lord, is on a downward spiral, but God, we know that you've given us a space of grace and help us as your people to look to you, to lift our eyes to the hills from which cometh our help. Our help cometh from the Lord. And I pray that you'll bless now the message, speak to every heart, and God, do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to preach a few minutes on this subject this morning on the greatest need for America. The greatest need for America. In this chapter here and in this text, Paul, uh, I want us to pay attention to the things that Paul has to say in the early verses of this chapter here uh, concerning not just uh, the church, but it's also concerning the nation and concerning people here. And what Paul has to say in verse number one, notice with me first of all that it is positive. He said, I exhort therefore. Paul uh, wants to say something to Timothy to pass down to the church that is encouraging. And boy, I'm thankful for men of God that has encouraging words, amen? And so Paul wants to say something that is positive. He also wants to say something that is a priority. You notice what he said in verse number one. He said, I exhort therefore that first of all. In other words, Paul says, I want to talk to you about something in this second chapter here that is a priority and should be a priority in the life of every believer. And so Paul is talking about something that is positive. He's talking about something that is a priority. And then he's talking about something that is prayers this morning. As he said, supplication and prayers and intercession and giving 
giving of thanks. So uh, Paul just doesn't just talk about prayer, but he talks about four types of prayers. This morning uh, in this chapter, he's talking about uh, we as the people of God ought to be a people of prayer, amen? And so Paul tells us something that is about prayer. Then he tells us something that is plain. Notice what he said in verse number one again. He said, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplication, prayers, uh, intercession, and giving of thanks. Notice these next two words. Uh, Paul said that they be made, amen? In other words, Paul is plain in what he has to say about prayer. He is not writing a commentary. He's not writing a book on prayer. But Paul is saying the number one thing that you and I need to know about prayer is that we need to make prayers unto God. Amen. I think you would agree with me this morning that the greatest need in America this morning is that America needs our prayers. And the reason that we're in the mess we're in today is because people are not making prayers for this nation like they used to make. And Paul in our text this morning, he talks about the range of prayers as he said that we're to pray for all men, amen? I'm not a Calvinist this morning and I believe the gospel is for all men and I believe we're commanded to preach to all men and we're commanded to pray for all men, isn't that right? And so Paul, the range of those prayers is that we pray for all men. We're to pray for appointed men. He said for kings, that's for our president, amen? That's for those that reign, those that have have been placed in that high office, that commander in chief. And can I just stop and say this? Uh, if we've ever had a president that needs our prayers, uh, the president we have now, he needs the prayers of God's people. America needs our prayers, uh, but we're to pray for those appointed men also. We're to pray for all men. We're to pray for appointed men, but then we're, a pray, we're to pray for authoritative men. He said, for all that are in authority. We're to pray for our Congress. We're to pray for, uh, listen, we're to pray for our senators. Uh, We're to pray for those uh, uh, that hold offices. Uh, uh, Listen, we're to pray for all of those uh, uh, that are in authority. And that is the range of prayers. Uh, uh, Then Paul talks about not only the range of prayers, uh, but he talks about the reason for prayer. He said in verse number two that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Can I say this this morning? As an American, you know the one thing that I want to to do. I just want to be able to lead a quiet and peaceable life. Isn't that right? We're living in a country where they ride in the streets uh, and they, they burn buildings and they turn over cars. Uh, hey, can I tell you what that is? Uh, that's a generation uh, that's lived on welfare all of their life and never worked a day, an honest day in their life. Uh, that's a bunch of spoiled brats that's had everything handed to them uh, from the time they was in kindergarten. Uh, uh, they don't know what it is to fight for this country. They don't know what it is to take a stand. Uh, they've never had to pay for anything. Uh, everything has been handed to them. Uh, You say, well, preacher, how do you know that? Because if they had a job, they'd be at work, amen? Uh, They wouldn't be destroying buildings. Somebody give me a witness on that. Uh, And friend, I want to say this morning uh, uh, that the reason we ought to pray for America is so that our children and our grandchildren can lead a quiet and peaceable life uh, in all godliness uh, and honesty, amen? And so he talks about the reason of prayer and he talks about the range of prayer and then he talks about the reward of prayer. In verse number three, he said, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Now I want to say to the church this morning, if there's anything that we ought to strive for, we should strive to do what is good and acceptable in the sight of God. Amen. 
where our churches have got in trouble in our nation as a result of our churches today is that people have stopped striving to do what is good and acceptable in the sight of God. They do what is right in their own eyes as the Bible says here or in the book of Judges. But can I tell you this morning that praying for your nation, the Bible says in verse number two, it'll touch the leadership, amen? We ought to pray for our leaders. We ought to pray that God would save them. We ought to pray that they would get right with God. We ought to pray that God would drain the swamp of corruption that's in Washington, that he would save every politician, every senator, every bureaucrat, every congressman, that he would save our president, that he would save every judge. Isn't that right? The prayers of God's people can touch the leadership of this nation. You know, even when Obama was president, I didn't wish him dead. I wish him to be saved. I prayed against his agenda, but I prayed for his salvation. I believe that's what the Bible teaches us. Uh, and friend, uh, uh, the reward of prayer is that it touches our leadership. The Bible says in verse number two that it'll touch your life uh, and that you can lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness uh, and honesty. You see, when we pray for our nation, it not only touches those who are in leadership, uh, but it touches our own life, amen? And we should pray for America because we should want our children and our grandchildren to enjoy the same freedom and the same liberties uh, that we've enjoyed growing up and we ought to pray for this nation because it just makes our life better. Isn't that right? And then we ought to pray for America because it not only touches our life but it touches our Lord. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. You see the the, the real thing this morning that we ought to get a hold of is that we can't do anything about Washington but God can and God did. Can I say amen to that? How many of y'all think God Hillary's not your president? Amen. I thank God she didn't win. Amen. And I thank God that he turned the Hollywood upside down in the liberal news media and he let somebody win that looked like they wasn't going to win. You know what God proved to that whole outfit? That all their money and all their popularity and all their heathenism and their wicked agenda cannot overthrow the hand of God. God will put the man in office that he wants to be in office. It's not the people that turns the heart of the king. It's God that turns the heart of the king. And he's still on the throne in 2017. And brother, can I tell you something? I have to be honest. It gave me great joy to look at their faces. They looked like they had saw a ghost on election night. I was in Mississippi in church and I said, dear God, if you've ever heard my prayer, would you hear it right now? And I know I wasn't the only one praying, but I believe what we saw was a result of people across this country once again. Brother Vernon, they got desperate that God would hear us and that God would deliver us. I was sitting in Mississippi in church. I was wondering what was going on. I said, dear God, if you've ever heard my prayer, would you hear it now? And not let Hitler, Hillary win. And would you spare this country and show us mercy and just give us a space of grace that America might repent and have revival. Amen. And the election of our president was not revival. It was not an awakening. But I'm gonna tell you what it was. It was an opportunity. God cracked the door open and said, I'll give you one more chance to turn your heart back to me. I'll give you one more opportunity, church, to come alive. 
We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of this world. And the hope of America is that God's people would fall back on their face and cry out to God once again and that we would have an awakening like in 1858 when prayer meetings started all over this country and this nation was turned back to God as a result of the people of God. I'm saying, my friend, America doesn't need more money and America doesn't need more manufacturers. What America needs tonight, this morning, what she is starving to death for is the prayers of the people of God. Amen. It seems like the least emphasized things today is the matter of prayer. America has become drunk on worldliness. She's drowning in, in wickedness. And she is deluded tonight or this morning in weariness. America is sinking fast. But I got good news for you. There's resurrection power if we'll pray. You say, Brother Gravelin, you believe America can have revival. Friend of Nineveh can have revival. Don't you think twice that America can't have revival? You say, well, America's not in the last days. And, and I know that she's not mentioned in the last days. Uh, uh, but can I tell you something? I wasn't going to read this verse of Scripture. Uh, but I read it last night. And every now and then I'll turn over to it. In Matthew, I think it's chapter number 21. If I can find it this morning, uh, I believe a verse of Scripture, uh, my friend, that shows us where America is at. Uh, in this in Matthew chapter 21, uh, I believe Jesus spoke about America. If I can find this verse of Scripture, uh, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 43, Jesus said this, Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you, talking about Jerusalem, and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. I want to ask you a question this morning. In all of the history of time, Jesus talked about a nation. He was talking to the nation of Israel, and he said this kingdom, is the kingdom of God, is going to be taken away from you and it's going to be given to a nation that's going to bring forth the fruits thereof. I want to tell you, I want to ask you this question. You name me another country. You name me another nation on planet earth uh, that's ever had the blessings of God on it uh, like the nation like the nation of Israel. Amen. I'm telling you what God has done for Israel. He has done for America and the saving grace of America in these last days uh, is we have kept the Old Testament covenant that we have honored and we have stood with Israel and we have blessed them so God has blessed us and we have kept the New Testament great commission of preaching the gospel and sending the gospel out and the result of that is that God has blessed this nation. Amen. I thank God for America. And I'm glad, thank God, to be an American, aren't you? Brother, I want to say this morning, we ought to pray for America. We ought to pray for the preachers in America. We need some men of God that'll stand up and will not pre that will preach not for the fear and the favor of man, but will preach the word of God with anointing and preach it with authority that will not be ashamed, that will not be afraid to take a stand, that will be an iron pillar for God and that will preach with an iron pit with a touch and the blessings of God upon their life. I'm Tell you America could have revival if we could get some voices back in America that would cry aloud and spare not. Amen. And you need to pray for preachers in America. I'm not talking about these limp-wristed ones. Amen. 
Isn't that right this morning? We are living in the softest generation that you have ever seen. When preachers are trying to be politically correct, uh, when they won't say nothing about anything anymore uh, for fear that it's going to cost them a member, for fear it's going to cost them a paycheck. Uh, Hey, friend, I grew up in a day uh, when men of God, uh, uh, listen, uh, they preached it like it was uh, without the fear and the favor of man. Amen. You know, some of you sitting out there this morning, I love you, but you need to get it. You need, listen, you've been dragging your tail so long. You need a man of God that'll light a fire under you. Amen. It'll get you off the stool of do nothing and get you out by free and challenge you. Preaching ought to be confrontational. It should demand a response in our life. Amen. That's the kind of preaching I grew up on. Man, when they burnt your hide up. Amen. When they preached against sin and they cataloged it, amen. And listen, if they knew you was guilty, they was coming to your pew and preaching to you in hopes that you would get right with God. People are so thin-skinned, they can't take nothing anymore. Man, I was in a church service the other day and a preacher, he just touched on some things and there were some young preachers coming out and they said, man, that got rough, didn't I? I said, man, he's just playing around. Amen. Isn't that where we're at today? When everybody has to choose their wording, I'm gonna tell you, I've chosen my words, amen? And my words are in this book. And God said adultery is still sin. God said whoremonging is still sin. God said gambling is still sin. God said killing babies is still sin. God said drunkenness is still sin. God said perversion is still sin. Hey, a man of God needs to get up and just plow the rows. He needs to get up and just clean some things out for now and then. If we don't, our churches will become full of sin. You know, if people know you love them, they'll let you preach to them. Amen. The Bible said open rebuke is better than secret love. To pat people on the head and tell them they're doing good when they're not doing right does not mean that you love them. It means that, listen, you love something other than them. But thank God for men of God. Oh, you need to pray for preachers that they'll have boldness. Pray that they'll have courage. Pray that they'll have compassion. Pray that they'll not get weary. Pray that they'll not compromise. Pray that they'll not give in. Pray that they'll not get an ego. Pray that they'll not get full of themselves. Pray that they'll keep their eyes on the Lord. And for souls. Pray that they'll walk in the Spirit. Pray that they'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. Pray that they'll take a stand without compromise. Pray that they'll stay true to the end. Pray that they'll be faithful. Pray that they'll be anointed. Pray that they'll stand fast. Pray that they'll press on. Pray that they'll keep on. You need to pray for preachers. Amen. You need to pray for them. And then you need to pray for politicians. Hey, man, you need to pray for all the lying politicians. Can I get a witness? I'm going to tell you the people of God and the people of this country have been sold out too long for bureaucrats and and politicians that are more interested in making money and having power, my friend, and changing the course of our nation than the care of our country. Now, you can say what you want to and think what you want to about Donald Trump. I don't believe he's a saved man and I'm praying for him to get saved. But what I do believe, I believe he grew up in a day when America was great and in a day when people were honest for 
for the most part and he remembers and I believe God put it in his heart to remember the America that he grew up in and I believe that's the America that he's trying to bring back and I believe God put Mike Pence in his path to be a godly example and a godly witness and to my friends show him the right way and we ought to pray for that man that God would save him. It would be absolutely amazing what God could do for our country again if we would fall on our face and pray for the politicians of our country. Amen. Democrats and Republicans. I'm telling you, we got as many liberal Republicans as we do Democrats. Amen. My mother called me. She said, son, I don't know all these names that's going to be on this list. Which way do I vote? I said, just check R and you'll be okay. Amen. Isn't that right? It's better than any of the other alternatives. And I know I'm preaching to a house full of Republicans, so I don't have to worry about that. But the truth of the matter is, uh, we're in a mess today because we've got politicians. Uh, uh, listen, even if they are Republicans, uh, they're not true to the people and they're not true to this nation. They're not true to our country today and we need to pray for them today. I pray that every one of them, they don't stand for what's right, they lose their job. You say, well, that's not in the Bible. Supplications. Talks about specific asking of God. Concerning our nation. You need to pray for our politicians. You need to pray for preachers. You need to pray for people today. You see, what has made America great has not been the president or the politicians, but it's always been the people. Amen. A government that that the Congress talked about that was of the people, by the people, and for the people. And thank God for Americans. You know, the, the, the news media and Hollywood would want you to think that there's not a lot of conservative people left in this country. But don't buy into that mess. Brother Charles Roach was teaching Sunday school. I thought about this this morning. He was teaching Sunday school one day. I mean, full of the Holy Ghost teaching Sunday school. And I'll never forget him making this statement. He said, there's still a lot of conservative people left in this country. And you know that's true. He said, well, I just don't know if that's true. Go look at an electoral map. Amen. If you take New, New York and, and D.C. and California out of the picture, guess what? You still got a majority of people, hardworking people. Hey, America's not, hey, people that are blue-collar people, they're not dumber than a box of rocks, amen? In fact, they're what built this country. Those that went to war and came home and built manufacturers, uh, uh, manufacturing buildings, and that's what built America and made America great. It's people that, uh, listen, prayed their sons out of harm's way and buried many of them on the battlefield and worked an honest job. I'm telling you, this bunch of babies today that's never had to work for anything and never been able to do anything, I'm telling you, they ought to ship them all somewhere else. If they don't like America, I'm telling you, it ought to make your blood boil every time somebody burns a flag because of the blood that was shed and the price that was paid. If you don't like America, friend, you ought to go somewhere else. Isn't that right? I think they ought to, they ought to, they ought to, they ought to arrest every one of them for burning an American flag. That ought to be treason in this country to burn a flag. You say, preacher, are you mad? No, I'm just preaching this morning. It feels great too, by the way. Hallelujah. If you don't believe me, just get off and throw your fit every now and then about how great this country is. But we ought to pray for the people of this nation. We ought to pray for sinners but we ought to pray for saints because I'm going to tell you something this morning. 
I don't think God is near, I don't think God is as near upset with people killing babies as he is church members sitting in church full of apathy. Now we'll get all worked up about them murdering babies and we should. But on God's agenda this morning, sinners are doing just what they've been doing down through the years. Judgment's not going to Washington first. He said judgment will begin at the house of God. If you want to know what God's upset with today, he's upset with a bunch of uh, complacent, apathetic church members that won't be faithful to church, that won't tithe, that won't soul win, that won't take preaching, that won't, that won't get with the man of God, that won't stand with the church and do what's right, that won't, that won't have some holiness and decency and morality about them. God's upset with, with America playing church is what he's upset with. And I'll tell you, the, the hope today is that if we would repent and get right with God and say, we can make a difference. We can do something. We, we are the salt of this earth. and We're the one that, that can turn this nation back to God. Then God would begin to brood again and move across this land and America could have revival. I believe that. We ought to pray for the people and we ought to pray for all the perversion. I'm telling you, America has become perverted. You say, well, preacher, how will those things change? It, the only way, listen to me, the only way the perversion in America is going to get better, there is only one way that the perversion of this country is ever going to change. And you know how that is? God's people are going to have to go back to living holy again. Amen. Do you know what held the perversion back in this country? Is when sinners knew that Christian people lived holy lives. It reprimanded them. When they was a day when they could see a Christian and knew they lived different. It convicted sinners of their sin. It made them ashamed of what they did. They didn't parade it down the streets. They were bold because there was a lot of holy people in this country that was still living holy lives. But when we become what they are, then they become more perverted into what they are doing. But when we stand separate from them and we live a clean life and we live a holy life and they see the difference and when we, they see the godliness working through our life, my friend, that's what draws them to repentance. America is filthy this morning because we have excused things. We no longer call it hom- uh, sodomy. We call it homosexuality or an alternative lifestyle. We have reached the place that so-called churches has even uh, accepted them into their church and allowed them to join their membership and said that it is okay when God said it is an abomination unto him. There is not a family here this morning probably that has not been touched by the sin of sodomy. But the truth of the matter is we can still love the sinner and still hate the sin. Isn't that right? And friend, I do believe a sodomite can be saved at a certain point in their life. I believe God can save them and rescue them, but under no circumstance am I ever going to stop preaching against it or standing against it. Amen? And no, under no circumstance are we ever going to allow them to join our church. You say, well, they may take everything they got. They can have it all, friend, but I'd rather pillow my head and know uh, that we did what was right. Isn't that right? Uh, uh, friend, can I tell you it's still sin and somebody ought to stand against it. But many have embraced the sin of sodomy. Many have embraced 
uh, taking prayer and Bible out of our, our school system and so much perversion amongst the word of God. You know why? Because when you say King James, you're identified. I was preaching in a church not too long ago and I walked in and on the front of that pulpit, it said, if it ain't King James, it ain't Bible. I said, amen, hallelujah. I like that. But you know, that's offensive, not to the world, but it's offensive to a lot of church-going people. But I still believe the King James Bible is the Word of God. Amen? I still believe it's God's book. Amen? It's the Bible that God uses. Amen? It's the Bible that every revival in America has ever come out of. It's the Bible that was good enough for Grandma and Grandpa and generations before. And friend, we need to stand on it and we need to stay with it and we need to preach it in these last days. Talking about the perversion. God can still send revival. But America needs our prayers. And Paul said, and I close with this this morning, that supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. I ask you one question this morning. How much do you pray for America? Amen. See, if we're not careful, we can get to the place where we'll let the devil feed us the lie that America's too far gone to be salvaged. But America's still a young nation. You say, but preacher, she's doing things today that she's so far gone. Well, I'll tell you, if I'm going to believe that about America, then I'm going to believe that about your children and your grandchildren. You know, there's one thing about a parent that's true this morning. About every parent in this room, there's one thing that's true. No matter how far out in sin your children go, or your grandchildren may go. You never give up praying on for them. There's always a hope, isn't there? There's always a faith that no matter how far Terry may be today, you still believe there's hope that God could rescue him. You're hanging to that hope this morning. You're hanging to that hope for that grandson. And no matter how far, God's still able, isn't he? Y'all yes, believe sir. that this morning? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's true about our children and our grandchildren. Then God, for God's sake, let's don't give up on our nation. I believe God's calling us back. I believe the whole purpose of what we have been, what we have seen God do from 2016, October 2016 to 2017, I believe the whole purpose of what God has done has been to call his people back and say, let's pray for this nation one more time. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Do you know that I was reading a book the other day and the 1859 revival is what everybody talks about most of the time that took place in Britain and spread all throughout Wales and different places throughout the world. But not many people talks about the 1858 revival. The reason for that is because it happened in America, but nobody knows where it happened. Every great revival, most of the time, they can talk about where it started and with who it started. But in the 1858 revival, nobody knows where it started because prayer meetings just started breaking out all over the country. People started praying for America said that in one place in New York City that 4,000 men gathered every day in prayer for our nation. But amongst that great revival, you know what happened? There was a 
there was a, a battleship called the North Carolina. And that battleship held a thousand men of sailors that were all lost heathens. I was reading this story and it said in the 1858 revival said on that battleship of amongst a thousand men only four of them claimed to be Christians. And they was hearing about the revivals that was taking place around America and how the prayer meetings were and God was moving, His Spirit was moving and those four men went to the captain one day and they said we would like to have a prayer meeting just the four of us if we could have a place on, on deck somewhere where we could meet at midnight and pray and so the captain said I'll tell you what you can meet at the lowest point of the of the, of the ship, you can go to the lowest point and take a lantern at 12 o'clock and there you can pray midnight. And the story said they went down there and they prayed and they met. For several weeks they was praying together and no one came and people made fun of them but said one night they was praying and as they was praying, said the Spirit of God just sat down in the bottom of that boat and said they started singing. And they lifted their voice up and began to magnify God. And some of those sailors heard that and they thought, hey, let's go, let's go make fun of those Christians. I, they hear them singing down there, sailors singing. And so uh, many of them charged down through the bottom of that ship to make fun of them only to find out they had a head-on collision with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Fell on their face. Started crying like a bunch of babies and repenting and asking God to forgive them. And revival broke out on that boat. And many of them started coming together and filled that vessel in prayer meeting. And as weeks went on, the revival became so great. And so many of them started getting saved that the captain went offshore and got some preachers and ministers and invited them to come on the boat and start preaching. And for several, several weeks, men were being saved until all 1,000 was converted to Jesus Christ because four men said we'll pray when 996 said we won't four said we will it said that the North Carolina was a recruiting ship so that everything that went into the Navy fleet the first vessel they had to get on and go through their training was they had to get on the North Carolina. So they walked on, Brother Vernon, they walked on a vessel that was full of God. <laughs> With not a bunch of cussing. How would you like to get on? How would you like to be a lost cussing sailor? Yeah. Drinking and carousing. Yeah. And step on a vessel of a thousand men expecting to live a wicked and perverted lifestyle only to find out they're singing hymns and having prayer meetings. <laughs> And they said they called it a soul winning station because everywhere it went, it brought men to Christ. Just because four men said America is worth praying for when the odds are against you. You know what I want to be today? I want to be that minority that would pray. I wonder this morning as we stand, as they come, they're going to sing. What about you this morning? You know what America, the greatest need for America this morning she needs our prayers. How about it this morning? Is she worth praying for to you? Don't you love this country? I love the red, white, and blue. I love the history of America. I thank God for the flag, the freedom. I thank God for the right to bear arms. I thank God for the opportunity, the Christianity, the godly heritage that we have, the foundations that has been laid. America needs our prayers. Father, I pray this morning.
God, that you would whet our appetite for revival in this country once again. God, I pray that we would leave this church house this morning with a great desire to help bring America back to God. I pray that old time religion would long live in this nation. And God, that it would start right here. God, that you would, the fires of revival, the spirit of revival would rest on this church all the days of its life. Help us not to compromise. Help us not to give in. Lord, help us not to be greedy of filthy lucre or materialistic gain, but help us to stay true. Help us to stay the course in these last days for the glory of God. If you need to come, Brother David's going to sing. You mind God if you need to come.